0: Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little and you're listening to Crossing the Line, my podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart. And today, you know, I don't even I don't even know how to tell you this. It, it's so powerful. Today we're doing part two with Kevin McNulty. And I, I just, I really want you to listen to this podcast. It touched my heart. Um, it really challenged me and and, and gave me some things to think about uh, in my head. Uh, but more importantly, this podcast is about a really amazing leader who who today sings for us, plays the guitar, shares his story and struggle, a beautiful song from his pain, the pain of his past. Uh, and then he shares how a book he's written came out of his struggle uh, with, with depression and, and purpose and what that felt like. We even talk about the the travesty that's going on with the, the war over in, in Ukraine and just have an honest conversation uh, and I ask him some questions based on his past military experience and he was gracious to answer. So we cover a lot of things in this podcast. So I hope that you, you sit back and you listen to this and you take it in. I hope it touches you like it does me. All I'll say is. Grab some Kleenex because you may need it. Let's jump into that conversation with Kevin McNulty right now. Kevin, welcome. Welcome back, Kevin. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, since our last conversation and and what a great conversation we had. Uh, and just the story of, of your leadership and, and where you've been and, and growing up a military brat and moving every two or three years. Uh, and, and your your service in the in the air force we we discussed last time we were together and and the tips that you gave us that that were just so um so meaningful in fact if, if those of you that were listening and and you 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 might not remember but he left us with great tips uh, uh, like check your ego and ask good questions and take care of your personal brand and and know your strategies. And those are, those are awesome. In fact, it left me thirsty, Kevin. It left me wanting more. And I know our listeners want more and we're excited to have you here today. Uh, Welcome back to crossing the line.
1: Larry, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I very much enjoyed our our conversation and and have to honestly say, I look forward to picking it up again. It was really, it was just a conversation and I love that more
0: than anything else. So thanks for having me. Well, Kevin speaking of picking it up I did make a promise uh, on on part one I made a promise that you would you're an entertainer you travel the world entertaining my (laughs) goodness you're an artist so I've asked you and you've graciously said yes uh, that you would pick up your guitar and you would you would play and sing something for us will you do it Kevin
1: you know I I will I I have to caveat it by saying that you know, I don't play as much as I used to. Uh, it's going to be sort of a uh, garage or we'll call it a a, a porch style singing here. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that and I wasn't sure if you were serious about it, but I do keep a guitar right here. And you mentioned what you mentioned a, a moment ago is very important. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me just let me just grab this so I can get, uh, get here in position. Um, you know, part of my life story, and I'll just say this quickly, was growing up. At, even though I grew up as a military brat, and my father, who was a Green Beret, and I mean, my dad was a soldier, soldier. That was his world. He loved it more than anything else. I remember, I remember in the mornings, you know, w- waking up and and hearing him uh, put on his fatigues, and they were so starched that you could hear, you could hear, they were, sounded like cardboard. You know, put, it, I mean, and his wow. his boots. You know, you looked at his mm. boots, and and literally, you could see yourself in them. They were just, and he spit shined them, and so you know. But here's the other part of it. My dad was also a singer, and as a matter of fact, he served with Elvis Presley over in in Germany. Um, wow. uh, I, I don't remember exactly the the year, uh, but in Frankfurt, he knew him. They weren't close friends. He said, but they were buddies. And and as a matter of fact, just as a little little uh, side note, he said. He said, he said, and Kevin, you know, cause he was, you know, Elvis was already Elvis at this point. He said, the one thing that really surprised me is he was humble and mm-hmm. he said he was a good soldier. And that's, you know, coming from a green beret and a, a committed soldier, like my dad, that's, wow. that's quite a, you know, a statement, you know, to say that Elvis with all of his luxuries and, and fame, he said he was really a good soldier. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing to hear that. Mm -hmm. And so in any event, my dad, so we grew up listening to my dad sing and play guitar. He was a country singer. I'm not particularly a country singer, uh, if you will. But but I grew up wanting to be a star, a a rock star, a movie star. You know, I I didn't care what kind of entertainment. I loved entertainment. I loved being an entertainer. But And I, I guess I got it from my dad, but I grew up listening to him. He was a, an amazing vocalist, amazing mm-hmm. vocalist. I'm, this is not just Kevin, his son, saying that. He could have easily made, been a big star. His, his voice was so beautiful. He had this nice, big range, baritone to, to first tenor. I mean, it was just absolutely gorgeous. But uh, he was a soldier and that's what he believed in. So I remember sitting around all different places around the world, Germany, Fort Bragg, wherever we lived, his special forces buddy would come over and they'd sit around and have Jim Beam. And uh, he'd play the guitar, playing all the hits, country hits, old school country. So here's wow. the thing, when I got out of high school, I dreamed of becoming, a, 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 a again, a, a recording artist. I didn't care what it was, but I started writing songs about 14. Mm. And I uh, just writing them in my bedrooms, most of them were love songs, and most of them were because I, you know, it, girls had a habit of breaking up with me so I wrote a lot of good songs. About <laughs> that. And, uh, but in any event, when I was, uh, when I was 17 or 18, w- when I got out of the uh, high school, I moved to Bowling Green, where he was teaching military science at Western Kentucky. This was right at the end of his career. And uh, I was going to go there and make it in Nashville as a songwriter, musician, songwriter. And by then I had written dozens of songs. As a matter of fact, by the time I went into the Air Force at age 20, I bet you I'd written 200 songs. I mean, I'd really written a lot of songs. I don't have most of them anymore. They're probably sitting in a landfill right now on toilet paper or something, uh, most of them. But in any event, um, having said that, uh, I... I get to this area, and it was only a one or two days that I realized I was woefully not ready. I, I wasn't even close to uh, what I needed to be in order to become a recording artist, and hence I ended up going into the Air Force. And then th- there was that other aspect of my entertainment career, I guess you could say, that took place in the Air Force. So it's a longer story than that, but all that to say that uh, I had written a bunch of songs, mm. uh, both, you know, folk style, and even some R B style music, just throughout my my career, most of that, though, in my early, you know, in my late teens and early 20s. And, uh, and my dad, but here's what's interesting, my dad, as as long as he played, he wrote one song, and I'm going to sing it for you today. Oh, uh, but wow. here's the thing, the backstory on the song is incredible. I don't know if I'd mentioned to you but my dad he passed away last April as a result you know as a result of COVID you know just Mm. just tore him up he was 84 Mm. and uh and uh, the last time I sang this song was was actually at his uh at his funeral
0: oh my goodness
1: uh I I can already tell I may not make it through this song so if I don't then it'll be what it is
0: yeah Uh,
1: but but here's the thing the song he wrote I believe in 1968 he had been shot uh, in Vietnam, and he went to the, a hospital. It was either in Thailand or the Philippines. I don't recall exactly. I believe it was in Thailand, and uh, he wrote this song on on his on the hospital bed. Oh my! Goodness. And uh, it was written. Uh, it was written to my mother, um, who. Um, um, and he what he did is he wrote this letter. This song as a letter. So what you're going to hear is the verse one is him writing the letter to her verse two is her writing back to him and then i know i'm not going to make it through it and no. then uh and then i uh uh th- they divorced my mother died when i was 16 in 1975 they had divorced one year before that and after she passed away so she was 40 41 when she passed um many times throughout the year my the years after that my dad expressed his deepest regret mm. in
0: divorcing her Mm.
1: and how much he missed her she was puerto rican she was from the island she was just a beautiful yeah. quiet warm soul mm. and uh but mm. but anyway so he he wrote this song and um mm. and what i did is after he passed i wrote the third verse uh and and the third verse will make a lot of sense to you uh when you hear it so
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Uh, we, we're just gonna see. I, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Uh, I can already tell. I thought actually, yeah, I'll be okay if I try this, but it, it may not it may not work, but we'll we'll see what's gonna happen here. So the song is called uh Leaving You All Alone.
2: <clears throat> Wonderful. I, I'm not gonna make it. <clears throat> I left you there all alone. In despair and waiting there, I left with regret and I asked you wait for me. I know it's hard for you alone, but it's just as hard on me. Please wait for me. My dearest one. Please wait for me. Please have faith. And be strong. I won't be gone. For very long. I love you, dear. And I pray. The days will swift pass away as I write this letter, dear. Please wait for me without any fear. Please wait for me, my dearest one. Please wait for me. I received Your letter, dear, have faith in me. I'm waiting here. I love you and miss every day. Come back to me. Don't stay away. I want your love, your tender kiss, your warm embrace is what I miss, I'll wait for you, my dearest one, I'll wait for you, I'll have faith and I'll be strong, I know it won't. dear have faith in me my darling dear i'll wait for you my dearest one i'll wait for you you left me here all alone years ago he called you home it broke my heart I hope you knew I understand but it's really true I did I missed you every day but I knew in time this day we both had faith my dearest one our waitings done
0: i wanted you to to know that that was incredibly difficult for kevin it was a very meaningful and personal song I'm so appreciative of Kevin for sharing his heart, singing his heart. So I wanted to take just a moment so that you could digest that and know that um, it was significant that he shared that with us. It was authentic and transparent, and I'm really grateful he shared such a meaningful song that was so purposeful to him with us. Oh, my goodness. Kevin, thank you. That, well, what a beautiful song. What a beautiful tribute. And for you to share that with us is truly special. Thank for, you. Thank you. Thank you. That, My that's, pleasure. Folks, that's what transparency and authenticity and and it looks like in a great leader. So thank you for sharing that, uh, that incredibly really meaningful mine. song. Thank, thank you for
1: having me. Wow. Happy having, having me doing it, you know.
0: It's beautiful. It's just, just beautiful. Wow. Take a deep breath. And thank you for that again. Oh, good. Amazing. And, and I want to, I want to ask you about some things today, talking about Amazing. transparency and and talking about being authentic that, um, and, and you're so, you're so kind to do that. And, and it shows about, it really is a testimony of your integrity and who you are as a leader. So I want to take us back to you're out of the air force back to your story for just a minute. I want us to keep walking down that track because some things happened in your journey that I think just like that beautiful song, we needed to hear that. It, it touched our hearts. It helped us. It, it's reality. It's, it's real. So some things happened to you that were, that were raw, that were hard, yeah. but yet you have turned them into a, a mechanism for helping others a way, a, a path, if you will. So That's right. would you mind, can you take us back? You, you're out of the military now, and some things are going on with you. Yes, Uh, Walk us through some of that transitional struggle that you had, if you don't mind.
1: Well, no, not at all. So, you know, I think as I I believe I mentioned in the last conversation, so my career in the Air Force was involved in different things. One was human relations relations education. So we advised commanders on people problems and these other sorts of things. So I spent, out of my 20-year career, probably 13 of that was in that field of work you know uh, yeah about 13 of it and uh and in that work we learned about you know basically helping commanders and managers and airmen and so forth solve people problems so that we could fight and win wars and in that I think I had mentioned you know I developed an expertise in diversity and inclusion because in the military we had a whole different uh perspective on it, and that was, it wasn't it, it was it wasn't to ignore the human side of it, you know, uh, but it was really about this, that if you were a commander and your people weren't getting along or working together, it cost lives, and that your squadron or your battalion or whatever service you're from, you had to be in a place as a commander that your people could go fight and win wars. So if there's anything from sexual harassment to discrimination to whatever the complications are, or just basic leadership and morale problems, uh, those needed to be solved for obvious reasons, you Mm. see. In Mm. fact, even if you look at the Vietnam War, uh, the problems that came out of that, you know, and what they learned with a a commission that they did, I believe it was around 1970, 71, and learned the the difficulties that when a base, when a, when a, like, for instance, in, in Travis Air Force Base, so they had Um, It it was one of the biggest riots that took place that caused this commission to take place on equal opportunity treatment, mostly race relations, that they shut the base down for three days. And this was, again, I think around 1970 when this happened. Well, Travis Air Force Base was the biggest, uh, you know, wing Air force wing in the world that transported people and supplies to Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And so here the base is shutting down over race relations problems and they were a very serious problems, but there were other race relations problems going on. So they started commission and created then what was called the Race Relations Institute, which then turned into the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute. Uh, it's a Department of Defense school down in Cocoa Beach. And that's where I went to school in 1987 to become basically an advisor, a coach. Uh, a trainer in these areas of human relations education, equal opportunity treatment. And so that's where I started in down this field of, of advising and coaching and consulting, management consulting, these sorts of things. And then towards the latter part of my career, I started working with the Covey Leadership Center, bringing in Covey's work into the military, Seven Habits, Principal Center Leadership, and all those sorts of things. So I say all of that to say that when I transitioned out of the Air Force in 2000, I was just going to continue down that road, take all the skills and the body of knowledge that I had, not to mention I'd been studying personal development since, since the early 80s. I mean, when I saw Tony Robbins come on television doing these infomercials, man, it just lit me up. And this is actually what got me on this road, uh, taking my mind a little bit off of uh, of a failed uh, entertainment career into uh, another career that I just, it just struck me. Personal growth was just, wow. And so I really invested a lot of time and money since again, I think it was around 82 or something like this started studying it. So as you see, I continue in this all the way through the end of my career where I started working with Covey. So, all of that's important to the context that when I got out in 2000, we moved from Travis Air Force Base, California to here, my wife and my two daughters. My wife is also a 10 year Air Force vet and did a lot of great work, uh, you know, serving our country. But she had gotten out a few years earlier. She started a piano uh, teaching uh, practice. Uh, for young kids, and because she wanted to raise now our two daughters at the time. So we moved to the national area to Murfreesboro. And um, <clears throat> so our daughters were one and three, my wife was trying to build her business here, we didn't know anybody here, we just moved to this area. And, and then, of course, I'm going to try to build a speaking coaching, consulting practice and this, that and the other. So I embark on that process. Uh, we had, we had just really brought our finances down got them just well under control where we could handle that because i was an enlisted guy i was the e7 when i got out you know i i uh i did pretty well in the air force but you get out and retire you get a pension but it's it's not enough to make a living so you know we set aside enough money gave myself a year to build this business which uh i'm sure uh i can see the uh the big proverbial rolling of everybody's eyes you know what was he thinking to build a business in a year you know especially <laughs> i had no business experience whatsoever i didn't right. i didn't even know what the word human resources management was we didn't use those terms in the military okay so i start on this practice and in the meantime i'm working with temp agencies sometimes nine ten bucks an hour you know, I'd go into organizations and be a, a, you know, a receptionist, you know, for nine bucks an hour. And, you know, I came out really, I had an award-winning career. And it was a really weird uh, scenario that here Mm -hmm. I had a really thick, deep bottom of a a, a deep well of knowledge and and Mm -hmm. skills. Uh, But now I'm sitting as as a, a receptionist. But what was interesting about that is, you know, on the one hand, you know, I knew I had to put my ego aside. I mean, because, you know, I'm I'm watching all of these people operate in the private sector. And it was just an interesting perspective. And I didn't tell really tell people much about my background because it became almost a, a, just a, a. I just said to myself. No, I need to watch this from this perspective, what's going mm. on and mm. interacting Good. with, with mm-hmm. senior leaders and wh- whomever they are, and just watching the whole dynamic. So I did that. Well, after about a year of trying to build this business and you're working, you know, temp jobs, um, it wasn't working. It wasn't happening. I realized just how wo- woefully weak I was when it came to building a business. And of course, you know this better than anybody else, that. I mean, you be as skilled as you want, but you got to attract customers and clients. And I had no clue about that whatsoever. I mean, I did, of course, I read books and I did all these things that I thought I needed to do, even had a bit of a mentor. So anyways, uh, about a year into that process, Larry, I started getting very concerned because we were running out of money and obviously we we needed money. And uh, and then the, you know, I, my frustration turned to concern, my concern turned to all sorts of things until finally, and I, I think this was maybe around October of, I'm gonna say around 2000, around 2000, I think it was, I, I maybe it was 2001, but anyways, I all of this really spiraled out of control and I went mm-hmm. into a very deep you know, clinical depression. And, and I mean the kind that mm-hmm. puts you on the floor and you can't get up in the morning and then all, all this depression and anxiety turned to uh, bulging discs in my back. And I mean, I became physically very, very ill, which then starts to exacerbate, one exacerbates the other, and it just continued to grow.
0: Isn't it true that most of the time we, we learn the most from our failures? Really appreciate Kevin uh, speaking openly and honestly about quite frankly, his failure and his business venture. It's it's really um, indicative of the character of the person that we're listening to. I truly appreciate once again his um, transparency in that. But but that's how we learn through failure.
1: So my wife, she decided to do some studying on depression and these sorts of things. And uh, and so one of the things she learned was, you know, one healthy thing to do is to just start journaling about anything. Just. I call it yeah. journaling, just putting your thoughts on the paper, what you're expressing, what you're feeling, and all these other sorts sure. of things. So she literally kicked me out of the house. You know, in the morning, said Kevin, you need to head over to you know Panera's or Starbucks or whatever, and just start putting this stuff on your laptop. And that's what I did. You know, I trusted her in that sense. I was really in a bad place. I mean, it was uh, it was ugly. Uh, it was you know nothing what I look like now. I can tell you. And I started just doing that. And then over the period of time of weeks and months, I just kept doing this, and it did. It helped. It helped tremendously just to get out of this mode, but here's what I what ended up happening, Larry, is that, again, remember, I had this long, deep well of knowledge in personal growth. Um, you know, I was a Christian at the time, and all these sorts of things, and what ended up happening is that I ended up writing about what I was feeling. And in some places, and this is in retrospect, I realized I was almost coaching myself with the things that I understood. So I was both the patient and the, and the, and the, you know, the therapist at the same time, but I didn't realize what was going on. I I was just brain dumping and things. Mm. So in any event, um, I brought this after a month or two of doing this, I, I, I decided to walk across the street. I had it printed out at one of the print shops. I took it home. I said, I was just telling Jane, I, I was feeling much better. And I, I just appreciated that she really kind of pushed me to do this. And so I said, and, you know, just here's what I've been writing about. I mean, we were both kind of open books to each other in any event. So that night she read it and got up the next morning. She said, Kevin, you've been talking about for a few years about writing a book. And here it is, you know, wow. Here, here's, uh, you, you know, mm. people need to know this stuff that you're yes. feeling and and how to do this 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 uh, transitioning from from uh, major life transitions and so forth but but here's the thing here's one of the biggest things that i learned there out of this so so anyways the book was born out of that It still took several years later to write it because again i mean i was i was pretty good writer wrote a lot of heavy duty reports and these and summaries and these all the sorts of things but i i had no I, i actually didn't think i'd ever become an author i just thought it was too complicated and and uh, just beyond my abilities at this point. So in any event, um, but here was one of the big things that, lessons that came out of that. At some given point, I realized that the entire time when I started becoming frustrated that whether I'm speaking to myself, in this case, I was, yes, sort of speaking to myself, but really speaking to God. And I remember I was complaining to God, and I was literally using these words in my head, maybe even out loud, you know, God, why are you doing this to me? Mm. <laughs> why, mm. you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying yeah. my best, and I mean, I just complain and complain. And as I started writing and thinking about all these things, I realized it was in a, it was a pivot. It was a huge moment in my life when I realized that after I started coming out of this depression and anxiety, I started praying more faithfully. And I remember realizing that all along, I had been asking myself and God completely the wrong question.
0: What Kevin's about to give us is truly priceless. He's about to give us two questions. And if we would ask these questions appropriately and personally, they could literally change our lives. I think this is the one of the most powerful things that I've heard in a long time. Listen to what he says right here.
1: This is the lesson that I learned that the question changed from why in the hell are you doing this to me to God? What are you asking of me? What mm. do you want me to do? Wow. And again, you know, we can take this even out of the religious context. You're right. And, uh, and, and back to what I had commented on our the first episode was this concept of asking questions. And of course I I've studied much more since then, realizing it's not just the questions you ask as a leader. It's the questions you ask yourself as well. Again, you can think about this in the spiritual context if you want, or you can speak of this in the secular context to ask yourself, you know, why are you doing this to me, as opposed to, you know, what are you asking of me in any context that's a completely because that question, that second question, is one of curiosity that that's your right. mind decides. You know what? I need to go discover that answer. The other one is nothing more than a complaint.
0: Wow, that's so True. good. And Kevin, you you actually wrote this book out of your pain. So Correct. out of your pain comes a book to help that's others. Right. That's and exactly right. So many times I find that the deep, rich writings um, come from come from our struggle come from our pain. Um, and so congratulations to you and to your wife, brilliant you. that she is that says, look, yep. let's start, let's start doing something. And, yep. and when That's you right. found that that you were doing That's something, right. you, yeah. you, you amazingly uh, had this book. And then I love your change of perspective of, of asking, you know, what are you asking of me? That's beautiful. It, it's, it's, it, it really is uh, uh, using curiosity it's being humble enough mm-hmm. to say instead of being defensive instead of taking that first question you, you said was mm-hmm. a defensive posture why are you, you doing this an open else's. curious posture mm-hmm. and uh, boy that's just a, a another if, example of great leadership you can
1: think of that in the leadership context very easily of course you know from the standpoint that leaders who may struggle with let's just say uh, you know employee engagement or let's say with with you know how their employees view them with uh morale problems so a leader can go into an organization like you know into their organization like this and ask their people what you know what's wrong with you all what 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 you know why are you know it's a great company you know I'm I'm a good leader why why are you all behaving like this? So you could ask that.
0: Absolutely or,
1: yeah. or you can go to the employees and say, okay, yeah. you know I'm listening you know, right. what are you asking of me? I what what it. what would you like me to do and hear from them?
0: <laughs> it's great. It's, it's a great, it's a great lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and Kevin, I have a feeling we're going to be, be talking more because uh, you're so interesting and articulate. Uh, I know our time is coming to an end, Yes. but would you mind if I take us back for a moment? Can I, can I chase, it, it's, it's more than a rabbit. It, it's a thought that I would really value your perspective on from from serving in our military. Okay, I, I want to give you a heads up here. At the time of this recording and this voiceover, there is a, an, a global issue, a tragedy of Russia uh, invading uh, Ukraine. It's horrific. Um, it's, it's a tragedy. And I wanted to get Kevin's insight from a military perspective uh, on what's going on there. I, I want to say that I in no way uh, ask these questions to minimize or to make in any way light of what is going on. But instead I ask because I, I want to I want to know how we can prevent such a thing in our culture, how we can not only learn from it, but prevent. And, and also, obviously, uh, we will continue to pray and, and I hope support the, the heroic people of Ukraine with a heroic leader um, and I hope that we can all get behind the concept that these people uh, are fighting for their lives livelihoods their businesses and their homes and that we can offer our prayer and support for them so I wanted to say that before we get into the next section of the podcast you, you know you spoke of the chaos and and you know some of us, and I I do remember, um, I was young, I was a child, but in the late sixties and then the early seventies, the chaos that our country Mm -hmm. suffered from with, with Mm -hmm. the racial issues and the war in Vietnam, as you, as you've mentioned and, and what that does to, uh, to the military and the morale. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we want to learn from our, from our history. We want to learn from, from our, uh, experiences. I'm wondering if I could, just take us down right now as we are recording this this podcast. There's a there's another war going on in our world, and the Ukrainian people are 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 rising up heroically under a a hero of a leader in President Zelensky, and he is with the people. He is he is there helping and leading. We we talk about leadership, and and I don't want to minimize death and horror of war because you know it better than anyone, and you know it better than I do. I do want us to to look at this and and learn and look mm-hmm. at this and right now we are praying we are we are wondering what we can do tangibly to help these people who are who are in the fight mm-hmm. for their livelihoods and and their families and their homes and their businesses mm-hmm. um my question to you is Kevin with with this this war that seems purposeless one side you have people coming together heroically and 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 the might of of Russia, you know, I mean, they're, they're right. As we speak, yeah. they're, you know, they're circling cities and, and, and marching yeah. through with, you know, with their, with their weapons that are, that are superior to what mm-hmm. the Ukrainians seem to have. Um, what does that do just for a minute? If you're, if you're in the Russian military yeah. and you're, you're going for it, is it that you just get in line as a, as a soldier does, or do you think there's a, a place or a point where some of these, these soldiers will go what are we doing and we're, we're killing civilians and we're yeah we're- I, i'm hoping exactly. so I, i'm hoping the the, the
1: latter of what you're saying is going to take place and i got to be honest with you and, and it's only a thought i i would not assert this or conclude this but i actually wonder when they talk about this long stream of this 20 or 40 miles whatever they're saying of this caravan that's going into the cities that has been stalled for days uh, the thought has actually crossed my mind that that's intentional on, on the part of those people that are sitting there, uh, you know, that uh, they don't have the, they don't maybe have the will to go in and do mm. what's going to happen. I mean, wow. again, I won't assert that. I'm just going to say that that thought has crossed my mind. I think um, there, there's a lot of, you know, that to, to un, sort of pack that whole question. There's there's a lot of complicating factors there. We already know Putin's a dictator. He is, uh, in, in my understanding, he's he's very he's very compartmentalized. He probably only hangs out with a, a few you know a few uh, trusted souls. Uh, he, he probably has people uh, testing his uh, dinner beforehand, and these sorts sorts of things. So, wh- what happens there is that he is completely disconnected from his own people and mm-hmm. his own uh military and he probably doesn't actually know what's in their minds you know quite frankly uh when you're a dictator again it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a military person to figure this out as 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 a dictator the way that he is and others like kim jong-il and and others um your people are not telling you the truth wow they're, they're not going to tell yeah, you that's the truth. Good. Mm-hmm. why because uh, it may cost you your life you know not just your career mm-hmm. so uh so what what you essentially have is probably some sort of a sociopathic person who yeah. is uh, who's decided that he you know whatever his motives are I mean some say it's to bring the Soviet Union back or whatever that is, and so he's pushing that out there, but uh, but here's the thing you 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 take Zelensky on the other hand, it, you know every leader in 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 on God's green earth needs to be watching him. Because here you have a man who is a comedian, a television a personality, and the one of the things that he has done, and others have said this, is that first of all he took some of his transferable skills. We've heard this term before, right? Transferable yeah. skills. Yeah. So he took his skills as a comedian, as an actor, as a media personality who understands media. And and use them to his benefit, and I do mean from a a, a, a good standpoint, not just a, a, right. here's a comedian talking. This man has some depth. So so start with that. That as leaders, what are your skills? You know what what skills can you use to to improve your your situation, your your organization, your department? You know so so that's one thing. But the other thing is that he's showing you. You've, you've. I'm sure you've run into this many times, and, and you know it's a relatively, I guess you could say, hot topic. And that is that you know talking about leaders that show compassion and empathy and and connected to their people. You want to know how to do that? Watch Zelensky. He's That's showing right. you how to do that. He's he's doing everything, from what I can tell, what I understand, uh, both militarily and. And uh from a soft skills leadership standpoint, he's doing everything right.
0: You know, he, he he truly is. And we talk a lot about leading with our head and our heart and crossing yes. that line. And Zelensky Bam. is what a <laughs> what an example of, of inspiring his people, being there you with him, it. but at the same time executing some really strategic, brilliant moves with a with a much with an inferior army with 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 less numbers <laughs> and that those kinds of things, our military. Yeah. I'm amazed at his at his leadership, and once again, I don't want to minimize the horror of death that is that they are experiencing. I am amazed and inspired by what he is doing and what the people of Ukraine how they have responded and 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 stayed and fought for their homeland. Yes, um, they
1: can't see this now, and I completely agree with you. It's 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 mm -hmm. it's easy for you and I to sit here and talk about this and realizing that they're under an immense horror. But what I suspect is that. Is that the world will will get a huge lesson out of this man and this country, and we should we should learn from these people.
0: May it be so. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for this. It it means so much. You you have taught me today. Um, Mm -hmm. You touched my heart. You've touched my head, and you're amazing. And uh, what what a great leader. Thank you for what you're doing to impact uh, people and leaders uh, across this country and abroad, you are, uh, you're doing it, man. You're, you're making a difference. And and I want to thank you for that. Thanks for your journey. And, and <clears throat> those your are vision. the kindest
1: words, Larry. I appreciate you. And, and, uh, those are very kind words and I know you're doing the same. So thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: My friend, uh, owe you a cup of coffee and we'll do it soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, I'll tell you that was powerful. Uh, I just, uh, I'm still processing and thinking about what Kevin told us. I'm thinking about uh, his dad and the power of that song and his mom. And and the pain that he shared with us was so raw, so real. Uh, I so appreciate him being willing to be so uh, open and honest and transparent. And then to share his story and how out of his pain of of depression comes a, a book to help us all. Uh, called The Gap Between Two Worlds and, and then our conversation um, around the, the tragedy and travesty of the Ukrainian war and the horrors of that war and and how uh, a great leader can truly make a difference like President Zelensky. Just uh, hard conversation today but so powerful, so real and I thank you for, for listening. I hope that you were touched like I was. I hope that you were challenged like I was, and um, I hope perhaps it will help you as you go through your leadership journey. Thank you for, for tuning in. Thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing you and look forward to the next episode of Crossing the Line. Take care.